0: (laughs) Hold out for as much as you can possibly get because we get it. Instead, they raise our prices. How's it all about that? Really, I just want the blue team to beat the red team this weekend so I can talk smack at church. (laughs) That's how simple this is. And the truth
1: shall set you
0: free. (laughs)
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off... Here's the double coverage interview of the week.
3: Alongside Blaine Fowler, I am Spencer Linton, and your patience will now be rewarded with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, who is here to discuss ESPN's Football Power Index, the numbers that we just went through at length, Greg. BYU's projected by the ESPN computers to go 7-5, and five, which we think is, you know, a big head-scratcher. When you look at numbers like this and you see the computer projections... What, how do you process this? Because you are a big numbers guy.
4: Well, I, I think we need to look at, uh, at, at, at where they think the, the landmines are going to be for BYU and why they think they're going to be there for BYU. Uh, the Baylor game is interesting. It, it's, a, it, it's a home game for BYU. BYU. Baylor is one of the, I think, five lowest teams right now in terms of returning production. BYU's number one overall. Of course, we see how you can flip that on its its end. BYU last year, very low in returning production, ends up with a double-digit win season. But Baylor is one of those teams that has a lot to prove, and this will be their first FBS game of the season, right? The home opener for BYU was Baylor's second game, but I think they open with FCS or somebody low-ranked. Sure. So this is their first real test. How does Baylor perform on the road, at altitude, in the heat, with a group still trying to figure itself out against a team returning almost everybody? And it's a 42.8% win chance for BYU. Feels low to me. Yeah, yeah. Now, let's acknowledge Baylor was legitimately good last year and beat BYU by what the coaches say was a, uh, a game that, that could have gotten a wider margin than the final score by how the game was played. That said, I think Baylor's a smidge low. The at-Oregon game, a one-in-four chance to win that one, again, feels a smidge low for me as mm-hmm. well uh, for BYU. Um, Wyoming doesn't return a lot. Utah State doesn't return a lot. Those are both high-percentage win games for BYU. And home games. Yeah, Notre Dame, uh, neutral field, but heavy uh, Irish partisan crowd in Vegas. Very low number. Again, it, it's, it's a mid-season game. How much do we really know what both teams are going to look like at that point? Uh, Arkansas at home, I, I thought was – I think under 50 was interesting. That's me. that's my biggest head scratcher. Yeah. Think. I mean, I, I know Arkansas has
5: got athletes all over the field. But traditionally, P5 conference teams, I'm thinking over the long haul, come into Provo. They struggle a little bit at elevation and, and in the confines of Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And I'm just thinking – that that one I'm going hmm, yeah and I'm not, and so not sure. that
4: SEC teams do this a lot but you know we remember Mississippi State coming in mm-hmm. here BYU uh, taking care of them uh, a few seasons ago uh, other than that at you know the 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 43 uh, percent win chance at Boise State seems low to me only because we all know how those games are played they're always very competitive always very tight usually one possession games and 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 that feels uh, uh, again a little low to me so uh, there could be some quibbling uh, Stanford to me, feels more better than a 50-50 chance for BYU right now, but uh, I, I think, like Blaine said before, uh, there, there there's a good chance to have more than seven wins by the end of sure. Season, by the sure. Yeah. Uh, the end of this season.
3: We were talking about yeah. the Shockers, the one at Liberty. I was like, whoa, okay. So they give BYU they they're calling us that that essentially a toss-up game
4: at fifty-eight. I, I mean, yeah. Is Liberty awesome this year? And Liberty, again, Liberty, Utah State, Wyoming, Baylor, these are all teams in that 110 or lower in terms of returning production. Now, by then, you've got your team. You kind of know who you are. But I think it's interesting that uh, that there's maybe not more of a benefit of the doubt being given to a very talent-laden and experienced-laden BYU Sure, team. and
3: to your point, it's Albany that Baylor opens up with, so that yeah, is that quite the a, turnaround yeah, going from Albany right, on,
4: the on the road to, the road to BYU. BYU. Right, on the road at BYU, exactly in the first real live, like, truly live fire game. Yeah,
5: and, and and relatable to all of this, people ask me, so this schedule this season is this the toughest one that BYU's played in independence, or was last year, or what yeah. do you think? And I look at last year and preseason and the FPI, BYU's picked to win 10, they go out, they, they win 10. Mm-hmm. This year, in the preseason rankings, and we're going kind of across the board, so a combination of everything, Oregon seems to be in every poll, Baylor seems to be in every poll, Notre Dame's in the top 10 in every poll, mm-hmm. and Arkansas's in and out of polls, BYU's ranked yeah. in most of the polls. Have, have we ever seen BYU in the preseason play a schedule like this? Is this the toughest schedule they faced in Independence, do you think?
4: Fewer P5s than last year, right? So it's not, it's not as many P5s as last year, uh, but you could argue that maybe the, the, the top to bottom quality is as competitive as it's ever been. But I always feel like we have to wait until we're X number of games in until I can say hey, this feels like it's been or is going to be the toughest. I just feel like we almost have to reserve judgment till the end of the year, look back and go, you know what? Those were a lot of good, you know, who ends up ranked? Who ends up going to bowl games? Um, you know, we, we think back about 1984, the, the pit game. Kick things off for BYU. It was a big win at the time. It didn't end up being the kind of win that you maybe thought it would be at the start of the season. But for what it did for BYU in the moment, uh, you know, games like the Pitt win in 1984 are still pretty resonant. But we have to wait until the end to see how they all, I think, turn out to be. I Do you mind if I, if I um, just do a bit of a flashback here that kind of references you as well? Yeah. Uh, the home opener for BYU is Baylor. Yeah. Right? Uh, the last time BYU had a home opener and it was Baylor, was 1984. Mm -hmm. It was the only other time they played Baylor Mm -hmm. in in Provo, right? So uh, you kind of come full circle to where uh, your last home opener was the national championship season. You get that back this year. It's your last time that you'll play Baylor as a non-conference opponent, then it becomes a league game. That Baylor game in 1984 was the first game I ever saw in person. First BYU football game I ever As saw. As a I freshman at BYU. I was a freshman at BYU. Yeah, I, I just turned 17, and, <laughs> and I got my student season tickets, and I ended up in the south end zone. And uh, I sat in the stands that day and saw my first ever live, in-person American college football game. And It was BYU against Baylor. Please wow. tell them how we threw it all over the place on him. It was. I was like, this is American college football. <laughs> this is wild. So, uh, and, and so I remember it, it was a sun splashed Saturday yes. afternoon, hot. I sat in that end zone and just got my eyes opened. As BYU beat Baylor to go to two and zero, yes, right, and then of course finished the season undefeated. And here <laughs> we are, all these years later. It's another Baylor home opener, mm. uh, and in an entirely different, uh, you know, framework of, you know, this is a now a Big Twelve conference preview when that was a game, you know, a non conference game for the whack back
3: in the day. I love it. Greg Rebel is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We need to discuss conference realignment because it has dominated Twitter and social media. In fact. I feel bad for all of my family members and friends and siblings because I feel like I have been <laughs> Your glued to the
5: phone, included In glued to Twitter in bed, in bed last night I have I have my phone and I'm reading like this. And Brenda goes, "What are you reading?" And I go, and she goes, "Pack 12 crap again." And I go, "Yes
3: indeed." <laughs> yes indeed. It's it's something new. It feels like every 5 minutes, right? Based on whichever national entity is hearing what from their sources. How are you processing all of this, conference realignment? Because USC and UCLA are obviously gone. Do you feel like there are going to be any other major fractures before we get to the actual college football season in
4: 2022? I think realignment's still happening. I, I do. I feel like this is still a process. Um, I don't know that it'll be a process that takes us deep into the fall. I think we'll know a lot when the season kicks off. But I think we're still. this is still a, a, a moving target. And I, I will start with a kind of a... a from a selfish perspective, meaning BYU, I'm so glad BYU got where it got when it did. Um, that 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 the Big 12 ink dried last fall. Yeah. Um, you know the Big 12 was in a different position then than it is now, as was the Pac 12. The Pac 12, I think you could argue, had a legitimate chance to to damage the Big 12's chances of effective survival just last year, and opted to do. Uh, nothing in terms of expansion at that time. And that gave uh, the Big 12 the space, the breathing room, the leeway needed to go, um, uh, you know, buffer its membership, bring in four good programs, and set the table for the future to the point where now uh, the Big 12 has more leverage, more stability, and the ability to be the poacher as opposed to the poachee. When last year it could have been the shoe on the other foot just a year ago, so I'm very glad that BYU is in the position it's in now as opposed to 12 months ago. Um, and I think the Big 12 is in a position under new leadership to be aggressive and see what takes and see what makes sense. There are some regional fits. Um, you know, the, the, there's an argument to be made that 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 a four-time zone conference, uh, you know, for the Big 12 that takes you from east to west and gives you a western arm yeah. makes a lot of sense.
3: Yeah. My friend Matt Brown from Ohio, a uh, great college football insider, joked last night, look, if BYU is involved in a conference that's across four time zones, it needs to be called the General, the general, co- general yeah,
4: Conference. Yeah, there you go. I love it. <laughs> this, this isn't the Big Ten reaching out and just grabbing two West Coast outliers and throwing them into it. No. This is, this is a, a conference that kind of has a natural kind of flow or wave to the Western front that could make a lot of sense uh, regionally. And I think, I think I still think college football fans, guys, want some regional connections. They want that. with, With that said, in your mind, would you like to see BYU and Utah reunited in a conference? Whether or not I'd like to see it, or I think it makes the most sense if that's where the Big 12 is is looking uh, you know, for membership. Um, you've got, obviously, a natural pairing in the Mountain Time Zone in Colorado and Utah, and you've got a desert pairing um, that is sometimes a Mountain Time Zone pairing in the Arizona schools as well. Mm-hmm. And the Arizona schools might be, I think, the easiest ads, if you want to make... I think, I think Arizona might be the easiest sell, or the Arizona schools might be the easiest sell in terms of who'd want to go and why. There's a real strong regional tie to Texas right there. Um, uh, then again, but if you're going to go Arizona schools and you're going to approach or look at the idea of Oregon, Washington in the Northwest, how would you bypass the two mountain time zones? Yeah. Colorado, and Utah, and Utah's done more than enough, uh, you know, to merit inclusion in terms of brand identity and, and, and performance worthiness and all those kinds sure. of things to make your league make sense. Now
3: what's so interesting, and we were just talking about this, like things change so fast. So max underscore Olson Big 12 insiders reporting, hey, the Big 12 is having serious talks with the six Pac-12 schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, Oregon, Washington, and is determined to move quickly, sources tell The Athletic. Okay? So we're like, whoa, over oh, 16, would that take it to 18? That Well, that's something. Then John Canzano, very reputable reporter uh, for right. the Oregonian, says working theory, Pac-12 partners with the ACC. ESPN likes this. The Pac-12 then pursues key Big 12 entities, Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Houston, BYU, etc., he says, "I don't see the Pac-12 teams leaving for the Big 12 as long as Washington and Oregon remain." So it's just so much speculation. How, mm-hmm. Where, when, and where will the dust settle? Um, and what's real? Yeah, and, and, and good
4: secrets were kept with Texas and OU and UCLA and US. Yeah,
3: how about that? How did how did nobody know before that one just blew up the college football world?
4: Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing actually that that was kept
5: kept down. Is it in the best interest of the Big 12? Um, because they've been really aggressive. We talk about new commissioners. Remember, when all this was going down in the Pac 12, um, you, you had George Kleofkoff, who's kind of new mm-hmm. in that role, brand new guy, comes from the entertainment business, MGM uh, Entertainment Enterprises, and really didn't aggressively do anything, as you mentioned, to try to go when, when things were going down with the Big 12 to destroy the Big 12. In
4: fact, 12. they made a statement saying, We are fine. Yeah, we're, we're good. good where we we're are. We're good to go. We've got an now, alliance. Now,
5: and and now all of a sudden, um, Brett, your mark from the Big Twelve—he's brand new. He's not supposed to be started yet, and we're seeing his name out there all over the place. He's going, "Yeah, we're talking, we're doing this." And we're week. hearing
4: the word "aggressive." We're hearing the word yeah. "galvanized." This sounds like a, a, an organization sensing leverage and opportunity. So, so two major contrasting
5: mm-hmm. stories and styles here, just in two years, right? Yeah. Is, it in, is it in the Big 12's best interest to go out and to go grab four or six teams, and to, well, does that solidify that conference more?
4: I'd rather have 16 than 10 right now. Amen. You know, and if it's 18 for a couple of seasons, so be it. Uh, again, I think it's more what can you do with those teams? What makes sense? Um, I, I think the four time zone idea. There's a lot of benefit to that. I think trying to retain some regionality is an important is important as well. is the outlier right now, right in the Big 12, the regional outlier. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can you can talk about creating or recreating some um, some you know kind of philosophical rivalries with TCU and Baylor, et cetera, But BYU would not complain if there were some regional pairings or regional partners in in, in the Big 12 um, in terms of West Coast travel and 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 uh, and West Coast interest.
3: I told you it would be worth the wait for Greg Rebel. He brought I don't know the goods. Was, he but, uh... brought the goods, man. Okay, <laughs> so this is the last show we're going to do in this That's version I, this, of Studio yeah, B.
4: The hammer flies tomorrow.
3: Right. Yeah. Which is wild. Okay, but we have one of our just most cherished products
4: this is gonna get to lost in the rubble i can <laughs> tell right now Is
3: your picture Greg? Right? do you we, got, we, we feel we like we need to offer it is, to you first there we, it is. Do, you, do you need to take this picture and put it in your
4: office <laughs> well i, I if, if you could assure me that it'll be somewhere for safekeeping if i need to take it so be it but i, I can just see it you know buried under timbers Wait, are, and nails and are uh, you saying
5: that it has no chance to get on the new set is that what you're saying
4: I'm not saying anything. Okay, okay. Because
5: that decision is way I feel like, like that, way above my I pay feel grade. like that belongs on the news. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I, that's what I feel. It's part of. It's part of history. It's Greg, bygone era. It's yeah. Greg
3: three days before that first <laughs> game against Baylor. <laughs> oh, I kid. I kid. How old were you in that picture? Twelve?
4: It, it feels. It feels around uh, around, around the twelve year old range. <laughs> yeah.
5: Yeah. I, I have pictures about that same age, and I have really long hair back then. It's so, Was that lush, it? Lush,
4: lush head of hair. It's yeah, so good. Yeah. You're such a good sport. Oh, yeah, thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Greg. My pleasure.
2: That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
3: All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending.
2: You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation.
3: What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Ford. Tim Daly, or part of the Tim Daly Outer Group, I should say, serving Utah since 1968. What a weekend. I mean, I finished the show on Thursday, and I thought, okay, a little 4th of July weekend, uh, countdown to the Big 12 is on, and then about 23 minutes after the show ended on Thursday, we saw a report from John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News saying, it's an odds-on favorite that USC and UCLA are leaving for the Big Ten. And I thought, what in the world? It's one thing to come from just a source, but John Wilner is in the heart of Pac-12 country. He is the Pac-12 guy. Right. And so all these national writers hopped on and said, take this seriously. So we've had the weekend to process it. Yeah, well, Spect- five
0: hours later, the Big Ten voted oh, them in. Yes. Isn't that You're wild? Like it got, it got isn't, crazier. Isn't that wild? <laughs> <laughs> it became official later that day. I mean, the, the Pac-12 couldn't even get a Zoom call together before the Big Ten voted those two in. Speculation running rampant,
3: oh, yeah. to say the least. I mean, anybody and everyone that feels like they have some sort of knowledge within the college football realm is offering their opinions about what the Pac-12 needs to do, who the Big Ten needs to add, does the SEC need to add more? What does this mean for the ACC and the Big Twelve? Well, this is BYU Sports Nation. BYU is headed to the Big Twelve, Dave. So our topic of conversation today is, in light of all of this madness, if you were the commissioner of the Big Twelve Conference, Brett mark, what's up? Love to have you on the program anytime. Good luck. Welcome to the job. If you were Brett Yormark, and the commissioner of the Big 12 Conference, what is your next move to establish some
0: solidarity? I'd call Bowlesby and, uh, and pick his brain on a few things, and he's still around, obviously, uh, the former outgoing commissioner. Uh, you, you're sitting at 12 teams because Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Um, you can get to 16 and be like the other two mm-hmm. uh, or the other three. For that matter, if you count in the ACC, so if you're going to add four, then you take four from the Big, sure. from the Pac-12. The the Pac-12 is in big trouble, and everybody knows it. Um, even if they were to st- hold it together and go pick a Boise State and and somebody else, you're replacing those with USC. There is no replacement. Yeah, how do you state.
3: replace USC and UCLA? There's nobody in
0: Los Angeles. There's nobody out there. There's nothing. Uh, and and it's just a phone call. I remember. When uh, in, in the world of BYU and Utah fans, uh, when Oklahoma and Texas leave and BYU gets invited to the Big 12 because those two left, the battle cry from the rivals is, well, that league's nothing. You're losing your two bell cows, and now you're just a bunch of a misfits. Mm. And, and I remember talking to a few of them going, you know, you're one phone call away of having the same thing happen to you, although we didn't expect it. That phone call came, and, and now here it is, and now all of a sudden – you got a league that's on the on the verge of a legitimate collapse. And so, which of those four teams do you take? You got to go if Oregon, you got to go with Washington, and those two legislatures may make you take Washington state and Oregon state, and if you do that, those four come and everybody else <laughs> is going to the Mountain West Conference. Yeah,
3: we got governments involved in this. Yeah,
0: it's the 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 Pac-12 will lose their P5 status. Wow. Whatever that status is anymore, but it's still something.
3: This just in from Nicole Auerbach, who is a very talented college football writer and friend of the program. She said, Pac-12 statement. The Pac-12 board of directors met this morning, July 5th, and authorized the conference to immediately begin negotiations for its next media rights agreement. They're trying to lock something in, Dave, so that they can maintain this Power 5 status.
0: But what is Power 5? And oh, do they wish they'd have done that last Monday. We Uh, need to compliment the Big 12. You know what? Because they could have stand pat. They were in this exact
3: position last summer when they had eight teams remaining, and and it was like, oh, man, does the Big 12 dissolve? They fortified the conference by going out, being aggressive, and adding four teams, and my goodness, in the words of Michael Scott from the office, my how the tables, or does he say, my how the turns tables, which makes no sense. (laughs) But the point is, things have shifted dramatically in a year the Big Twelve is in a position way more of uh, solidarity than certainly the Pac-12. And yeah, that, no, qu- no kidding. The Pac-12 wants to lock in media rights. They don't want to dissolve.
0: Okay, so tell me right now, you got to vote right now. Give me four teams that you want in the Big Twelve, from the,
3: from Pac-12. the Pac-12. Yeah, Oregon, Washington, Utah, and Colorado.
0: What about the Arizona schools?
3: I like the Arizona schools, but frankly, uh, with what Utah's done, I feel like Utah's earned more luster in the college football world than that of traditionally underperforming Arizona State and uh, Arizona, which has just an abysmal football program right now. They're would, on the up and
0: up. Why would you want Colorado?
3: Well, ju- I, I wouldn't necessarily want Colorado. I just feel like – You just voted for them. Well, 16. Like, you're going to break up Arizona and Arizona State or Washington and Washington State, Oregon and Oregon State? If you could. Okay, so for me, it's like, do I want Colorado? Do I want Cal and Stanford? No. 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 So really, it's like, if you want to get an even 16, Colorado's the last team in in that 16. Or uh, you bring in the Arizona schools and Utah and Oregon and let Washington and Washington State fare for themselves in the Northwest. I, I would take Oregon over Washington. But I feel like I want Utah in the Big 12 with BYU for that natural rivalry.
0: I would like that. I would, I would like that uh, just because it's so much fun, and then we won't have to argue whether or not they should play every year. Yes, they just it just fail. happens.
3: It happens. I mean, and it
0: might be Thanksgiving weekend of all weekend. <laughs> um, and then everyone will go, we do need this game. Yeah, you know? yeah, It's interesting how the ebb and flow of things, Utah's solidified in the Pac-12. I don't know if we need BYU. BYU solidified in the Big 12, watching what's going on over here. I don't know if we need it. Yeah, we both need each other. In the, in the world of entertainment sure. that we're in. But, um, but it just it, it, it comes down to uh, if Oregon, and Oregon's got to feel like they're really hosed here because USC, their buddy didn't even call them. Um, USC and UCLA just left. And there was some uh, mention in a national article this week, uh, this morning even, I think it was Pete Thamel that said, you know if, if USC wanted Oregon and Washington in the Big Ten with them, they would have went with them as opposed to being surprised that they left. So if you're Oregon and you believe you're a national power, um, and you got Phil Knight who has shoe deals with all, all the members of the, of the world, uh, and you're going, what are we going to do? Are we going to them? Are we going to merge with the Mountain West Conference? We have to get to the Big Ten. Well, the Big Ten wants Notre Dame and nobody else. And if they can't get Notre Dame, they're not going to add another team.
3: At least not in the they're, immediate they're future, right? Up.
0: Yeah, and Notre Dame is Notre Dame. They're just going to kind of think this through. Um, everyone else is kind of panicking. It's like uh, it's like we learned in COVID. There isn't a toilet paper shortage <laughs> until you make one. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, let's go buy Go one. to Costco! And, and like all over the weekend, up. it's like, if the Big 12 doesn't add four teams by Tuesday, they're dead. If the Pac-12 doesn't this, they're... And the Mountain West has got to be going, we, we might be dead if if someone comes over and grabs four of our teams or maybe just the one Boise State uh and 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 everything's moving to a super league or whatever what about Utah State and all those schools i mean they they're fighting for relevance to begin with and and if the Pac-12 says you know what we're going to try to we're going to try to hold it together we're going to take four of their teams yeah and then all of a sudden i mean that the trickle down down in the weeds is is devastating up high in the Big 10 there's just going oh yeah we just want we just got Los Angeles. Life is good at the top. We're fine. What's what's everybody? We might not add another team. It's no big deal. We got 16. That's a good working number. So, but down here is where, where the panic is.
3: Yes. Okay, there are so many moving parts to this. And the question we asked again was, if you were Big 12 Conference Commissioner, what's your next move? Dave, you asked me what four teams I would add. Yeah, ideally, Oregon, Utah, and then... Oregon, Washington, Utah, and Arizona State? I, I don't know if that makes – I don't know if they're going to break up the Arizona schools. I guess the realistic notion of that seems very, very unlikely. That's why I went with Utah and Colorado.
0: If you're if you're Arizona State and Arizona and you, you can choose from the Mountain West or – Oh, yeah. No, they'll go to the Big you, 12. Or one of you goes to the Big 12. Do you both go to the Mountain West or does one go, you know what, I love you, but I'm leaving? Utah and BYU we thought were connected to the hip for a long time. When the Pac-12 called, the Utes are like, "Uh, it's been great. We'll see you later. Yeah. And then BYU's like, we're not staying here. We're going independent. And then that's how they got out of the the Mountain West. So those relationships are really, really good right up until they're based on survival. Yes. And so maybe they're not as solid. Maybe Oregon could come without Oregon State.
3: The Big 12, uh, again, because they're in a very unique position, we feel like they are the third – best conference in terms of TV rights negotiating power. That is what this is all about, is getting the Big 12 to a point where they feel strong enough to go and negotiate their new TV rights deal and be like, yes, we are solidly the third strongest conference. What's going to get the Big 12 to that point? Certainly Washington and Oregon would help. Utah would help. Arizona and Arizona State, if you count TV markets, which I feel like are kind of a dying brand now because streaming rights and everything's easy to watch across the country.
0: Colorado, Denver, they they don't watch Colorado.
3: No, they watch pro, that's a pro sports town. Yeah. They watch their professional teams. They watch the Avalanche. You just won the Stanley Cup. And
0: Northern California doesn't even know Cal and Stanford are actually over there.
3: They watch the Broncos and the Nuggets and the Rockies. Yeah, Denver is not a college sports town. No. Uh, Salt Lake City's market is very different. Uh, Eugene, Oregon, very much a college sports town, right? right? Uh, So how do you get to a point of power? Well, yeah, you add the the most lucrative potential members of the Pac-12 left over. Will they do that? Uh, and, and how long do you wait? The Big 12 was smart to be aggressive when Texas and Oklahoma left, and they were. So do you get, do you get super aggressive and go for 18 teams, Dave? No, I think you go 16. You, try, you stick at 16? And, you,
0: and you just, we just read that, that the Pac-12 is trying to get a media deal. You know that's a panic situation of like, no, 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 we'll get something, don't leave. What, what, don't leave. what TV partner me and media on.
3: rights are going to come and be like, yeah, let's sign up with the Pac-12 right now? Like, Is there somebody out there that's like, let's buy the stock super low
0: and hope it goes high? Look, the guys at the Live Tour are going, sweet, this is another opportunity for us to add a product that no one can find. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this, is a, this is a very interesting move, but it's a panic move, and I think they know they if they don't do it now, maybe by the end of the day, by the end of the week, uh, there only won't be a Pac-12. Well,
3: Much more on this conversation coming up in about 30 minutes, including... A poll from the Kansas City Star asking which Pac-12 schools you'd want to see from the Big 12. Interesting responses coming up there. Also, uh, a quote from Pete Thamel, who has put out a really, really good article this morning uh, with ESPN about the Big 12 being in that position of third place, essentially. So much more on that. 30 minutes loaded show. But we've got to fit somewhere in this, Dave. The Countdown. Hit it.
2: Countdown. To the Big 12.
3: It's on. 361. I'm solo on it today, and no shame, no shame, baby. 361 Allergies. days. <laughs> <Allergies> <laughs> of <peeping the> <laughs> Listen, you you had your singing voice out loud and proud at Stadium of Fire on yeah. Saturday night, so you got to rest the vocals Listen, to a degree. The
0: backside of the Fourth of July is the NFL camps open up in a few weeks. It's now football, and it and it's football right until the games return, and and then and then next as we sit here next next July, it's. We'll already know who BYU's opening up with in the Big 12, uh, and it won't be 14 or 16 teams <laughs> next year in time. It'll, and Texas and Oklahoma will still be in it. It'll be 14 teams year. It'll be next 14 year. teams. So we'll already know that schedule, and, and the march will, will continue on into and, and, and really still the best thing that's ever happened to BYU sports is this invitation Man. to the Big 12. Even though, you know, today it's like, well, what, what does that mean?
3: What is the Big 12 two years from now? Is
0: it the Big 16? Yeah. And will all these academic guys just go, we're not the Big 10, we're the Big 16? Yes. Let's just change our name. Can we get
3: rid of the numbers altogether? It's just called the Southwest Conference for crying out loud. Well, that's old school. Go back. Back Go back to it.
0: Back when times were simpler. Yes,
3: our question of the day. If you were the commissioner of the Big 12 Conference, what's your next move? Let's go to Voice of the Nation.
2: This is the Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation.
3: First response in from Austin Larson on Twitter. Quote, the best options available are Oregon and Washington. Gauge their interests and after that, prioritize Utah and Arizona State. The most likely scenario, Austin says, is getting Utah, Colorado, Arizona State, and Arizona. But reaching out to Oregon and Washington couldn't hurt. Here's my issue with Oregon and Washington on this note. It feels like theirs is a temporary love interest with the Big 12. It's like, yeah, we'll join that conference for a few years to be the to like solidify our status a little bit better. But ultimately, we want to go to the Big 10. So is it like a, a trampoline two-year relationship with the Big 12 before they hopefully get into the Big 10 and get more money? Like I, I don't feel like Oregon and Washington want to be in the Big 12 unless they absolutely have to for a very short amount of time.
0: Yeah, could be.
3: This is a ba- it's like, it's like uh, you just broke up with your girlfriend and you're looking for a quick bounce back, ultimately hoping to get to your dream girl, which is the Big Ten, right? That's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> if right? I'm Washington, I just got to figure out how to start winning some games again so that I can. True that. I'm, I'm on Oregon's coattail in this conversation to begin with because they've been so bad lately. Um, what an interesting time.
3: Send in your responses hashtag BYOS on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
2: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
3: Cougar Whip Ramp presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company,
0: enabling global trade for a growing world. Phil Steele ranks BYU's offensive line as the 11th best unit in college football. Are you impressed by the ranking, or do you think Phil is sliding the Cougars
3: a bit? Uh, At one point, I think they were a top 10, but maybe a class has climbed up in there, and he had to make a minor adjustment. 11 is great. We're talking about 130 Division I college football teams, if not more. Maybe uh, one or two more have joined. But the point is, BYU is in the very top tier of offensive lines. 11 is great. You want to say they're 6, they're 4, they're 10, they're 11, whatever. It's an elite company, and I, I, I'm i totally okay with this.
0: Christopher Brooks has to look at that and go, yeah, I'm good with that. Jaron Hall, yeah, I'm yeah. good with that. All the receiving core, I'm good with uh, that. I guess we'll settle for 11th best. I guess. I Holy guess. cow. Looking forward to seeing them uh, at South Florida as they uh, start to road grade into that season. There's a lot of expectation for that line.
3: Mm. And a lot of expectation going back to Tampa after not a great trip in Jaron's first start in 2019. No, it wasn't. All right, NCAA Football Nation has Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney, 10th in college football, as a duo, accounting for nine touchdowns last year. Will the 10th best wide receiver duo, according to NCAA Football Nation, account for more than 10 touchdowns this season and outdo what they did last year?
0: I think is going to get more than 10 by himself <laughs> okay that answers the question and uh and romney as well remember romney's been saddled with with injury yes the,
3: again the, the key to this is gunner's health if gunner is healthy they will smash what they did last year
0: and i love what they did during the spring and what they're doing right now in their workouts is uh they're working on the deep ball which was hit literally hit and miss last season but as puka made uh uh, known to us constantly through the spring. Yeah. He didn't have a spring last year and that's where you get the rhythm reps. I'd never even heard of that before but the rhythm reps are uh, Jaron knows how fast Puka is, Puka knows how far Jaron can throw and the two shall meet down the field. <laughs> so you work on that and Gunner the same thing and Now, all of a sudden the deep ball is, uh, is part of the offense instead of um, uh, every blue moon we're going to throw one. Sure. And then I think that opens up everything but those two guys healthy with Hall and talking about that line a moment ago, yeah, they should get uh, they should get more than ten touchdowns.
3: Yeah, I think I think honestly, I think fifteen is fair between the two of them. Fifteen touchdown catches between those two talented, experienced receivers, with Jaron Hall taking the step.
0: Yeah, absolutely. and if, if one of those guys is going to be this uh, best receiver in the country type thing that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Well, they're going to have to have that many touchdowns. You are going to have to go double digits. So it can't be yes two weeks ago, and no, I don't think they're going to do it this week. Yeah. I I think they've got to have big seasons. The WCC Hoops travel schedule is out. BYU won't go to Portland or San Diego, and San Diego won't come to Provo. Which is the greater loss for BYU fans?
3: Uh, We've already mentioned it. No question. It's BYU's lack of a trip to the Pacific Northwest in January or February because the Child Center is typically sold out for the BYU at Portland game, and it's like 80% BYU fans. So this is, a, this is a loss for BYU fans not being able to watch the Cougars come and play at the University of Portland at the Child Center.
0: We've both been there to see yeah. it personally. It is yes. it is something. And I remember the first time we were there, BYU TV did the game. Uh, and then afterwards, they allowed the fans to stay, and they brought out a microphone, and the coach <laughs> talked to the fans. And the Portland people were so ticked off Understandable. BYU let them just take over the place. But the pilots are like, look at them all. What are we, we going to do? <laughs> so in they came.
3: And they're supporting the Portland program in a way by they buying bought a tickets. lot of hot
0: dogs and Sprite. Lot,
3: yes, yes, they did. All right, Dave, you got to buy stock into one of the following. So, which are you going to put your money into? Twitter realignment rumors, loose agreements between conferences. Or the first Summer League game of an NBA career? Where's your stock going?
0: Well, there's a lot of rumors, and there's a lot of loose agreements. <laughs> but I think uh, Chet's debut in the Summer League last night, Holmgren. Chet Holmgren. I think he's, uh, one, he's he's tall, he can shoot threes, he can play defense. He's as skinny as, as skinny. He's the Slim Reaper. He's the Slim Reaper. Uh, I think he's going to have a a good NBA career. Yeah. I'm with you.
3: Again, we're, yes, we are specifically referencing the numbers and the stat line that Chet Holmgren put up last night against the Utah Jazz of all summer because, look,
0: teams. there's going to be more realignment rumors. Uh, there's going to be more loose agreements. Uh, you can't put your stock in that. Chet's going to be pretty good yeah. every time we, he takes the yeah. floor.
3: He's number two overall pick. My stock's going there. I'm with you. I'm
0: glad he's gone. You know, BYU doesn't <laughs> need to deal with him. Uh, now Gonzaga just has uh, four other five-star guys to bring in. Yeah,
3: but they don't have that guy. It's true. He's special.
2: Okay. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
3: Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Alongside Dave McCann, I am Spencer Linton. As promised, more Big 12 news this just in. From Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports, he says, and I quote, The Big 12 is involved in deep discussions to add multiple Pac-12 programs as a way to shore up its membership in the wake of the USC and UCLA defection to the Big 10, sources tell CBS Sports. He continues, at least four teams are being considered with the potential for the Big 12 to add more as realignment continues to shake out. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah were mentioned specifically as the teams being targeted by the Big 12. Again, sources tell CBS Sports. There is also consideration of adding Oregon and Washington to make the Big 12 an 18-team league, the largest in FBS. A merger of the Big 12 and Pac-12 in some form is also a possibility. Everything is on the table, said one Big 12 source. There is no question the Big 12 has to be aggressive in expansion, another conference
0: source said. It's going to be interesting to see uh, if they do get six teams. That would be good news for Utah. That would mean they would have a place to go and not be left abandoned. Uh, and that would also mean that Oregon and Washington would come because if you take six and you don't take those two, you're not, you're not doing that. Um, and uh, 18-team league is, you know, the 16-team whack didn't work years ago, but those were whack teams. These are P5 teams, if there's such a thing anymore. Um, go to 18 if you want to, you know, wave the flag of hey, we're the biggest. That makes us number three. If that gets you a few more bucks, so be it.
3: Hey, if you go, if you had Oregon and Washington and those four, other teams, if you had six Pac-12 teams, including Oregon, Washington, and Utah, and Arizona State for that matter, there's some value there because yeah. there's a huge alumni base at Arizona State. Okay, it, it's just it is what it is. Now we're talking about okay. Now you got some pieces to move around and be like, look, we're covering everywhere from the northwest all the way down to Orlando, Florida. Okay? Again, we should just call it the Southwest Conference plus UCF at that point, right? Yeah. Now now you've got some negotiating power. Now we're talking about I think like you get 50 to 60 million per school because it's such a vast conference and there are some notable brands in there. But the idea that Another conference is gonna to get to a hundred million plus per school like the Big Ten and SEC is
0: no, that's not happening. Well if, yeah, and the Big Ten if they have sixteen teams like they're gonna have, now their T V deal has to be more than a billion dollars. Yeah. And what it's happens if they, 6 billion. what
3: happens if they get Notre Dame?
0: How much more lucrative does that conference become? Here's the thing, there's not that much money. Uh, these T V networks are forked it out big time for the NFL and everything else. Eventually, like we heard earlier, you turn around, you go, you know what? We're out of money for college sports. Saturday afternoon isn't gonna. We're not just gonna keep printing money to have a game on. Is that
3: Saturday when you call 10. Jeff Bezos at Amazon, be like, Hey, you want to just? Do you want to be the main just, provider yeah. for this streaming Elon rights provider?
0: Musk, you just want to be uh, like CBS. CBS telling the SEC, you know what? You're asking for too much. We're out. We can't and, afford and that. ESPN or... comes in and says, We're in, and so that CBS had had the SEC forever. And after next year, they're moving on to something else. Does CBS come over to the Big 12? They've got an afternoon window. But what they're not going to do is go, look, we're paying for the PGA. We're paying for Super Bowls. We're not going to pay that. And um, so eventually it's going to run out of money. And- so I, I don't, I don't, This Big Ten thing, half the Big Ten teams aren't any good. You know, we, we looked through the list today. Two of the 13 teams in the Big Ten and the SEC finished the season in the top 25. So the lower 13... Uh, just draw a line between the elite six and those two. Go make a 12-team conference and <laughs> and, and have a have at it. But um, it's just th- these conglomerates are interesting. But and so if the Big 12 goes yes. to 18, like we're hearing, that that would be now that would yeah. be our conglomerate. Yes, if
3: you go to 18,
0: including Oregon and Washington. Now we're talking. Now we're moving in the right direction. I saw a report over the weekend, and there was a line in the article that jumped out at me. As They were talking about what the Pac-12 is going to do just to try to survive, and it doesn't look like they will. Uh, And and they were referencing BYU, and they said, well, BYU's off the table. And I sat there, and I thought, how good is that for Cougar fans? BYU was on the table for 40 years! Abandoned, off to the side, and now BYU's where they want to be uh, and and uh, and and here comes all this stuff, and it's a totally different feeling for BYU fans. Let's just say the Cougars are still independent. They didn't get invited to the Big 12. This is happening. The battle cry around Cougar Nation would be: Are we going to continue sports? Yeah. Does this shut us down? Are we out for good? Uh, but it's just the opposite because the call came last year. Thank you, Texas. Let's North go. Oklahoma, yes. And and now BYU is off the table for a conference that uh, is taking on water.
3: I I love this from Pete Thamel, okay? Uh, He sums this up perfectly as to what is actually happening. To quote him, he says, what's unfolding in those three leagues, specifically the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC, is the quintessential college sports scenario where members are pledging fidelity to the league and to league members on Zooms while side texting about leaving for other
6: leagues. Seriously,
3: commissioners are chatting about potential deals among one another and privately crunching the numbers with consultants to poach the other's members. Conference allegiance these days comes with all the romance and permanence of a Tinder swipe. It's <laughs>
0: that's so well versed. It's true. Yeah, you got multiple conversations going on. Oh yeah, we're gonna do this. Actually, uh, we're gonna do this. Even this morning with the Pac-12 going guys everyone we're working on a new TV deal and then every, and then half the leagues talking to the Big 12 about coming over what in the what's yeah, happening right what, now what new TV deal hey there's a poll out in the Kansas City Star as to uh, which teams the Big 12 should invite from okay. the Pac-12 Arizona okay. State and Arizona up big 66% 60% for Arizona Oregon at 56 Colorado has jumped over Utah 54% to 51% Okay. now
3: Washington's um, Washington's number five at 51 percent, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then Utah is down to 44 percent. The Utes were at 57 percent before a BYU fan site (laughs) tweeted out the link. And now here comes everybody else. Uh, You got to love Cougar Nation. But that's out of the Kansas City Star. And and uh, if all those things are happening that Dennis Dodd said um, today, uh, this afternoon could be really interesting. Um, and our, our writer from the from Tulsa yeah, talked about. Oh, it doesn't have to be to this afternoon. Maybe it's late, this later this week. Maybe it's later in the year. You know, we're still talking about. There's no movement till 24, but there's this feeling that we got to do something right now. Yeah. And if we're not doing it right now, we're falling behind.
3: It's it's simple as this. Big Ten and SEC, hundred million dollars per school with their new TV rights. Uh, the rest are at about thirty-five to forty million. How do you get that number higher if you're the Big Twelve, up to around fifty or sixty million per school? And we believe it's adding at least four, maybe six teams from the Pac-12.
0: You know, it was never fair. Those two leagues were always getting more. Sure. Uh, so that didn't change. Now they're just going to get a lot more. You're just
3: trying to maintain some, some close, some type of financial proximity.
0: Yeah.
2: Oof. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
3: Welcome back to the show. We are live in Studio B. Our question of the day is why is adding four to six Pac 12 teams a good, or maybe you think it's a bad, idea for the Big 12 and BYU. Let's go to voice of the nation. Bradley Perkins on Facebook says, "When the dust settles, there will be two to four super conferences and it's in BYU's best interest to be in the club rather than outside looking in. So expand the Big 12, call it the Big 20 or whatever,
0: and stay relevant." Yeah, that's that's uh that's long-term thinking right there.
3: If the Big 12 does not expand and the Pac-12 remain at 10 teams and they become the Pac-10 again, is it that bad if there are still five major conferences? Do we just call them something different? We call it the power two and then the next best three and then the group of five? Is that what it becomes?
0: I think for the Big 12, with 12, they're fine. You go to 16 if you just want to be like everybody else. I don't think those other four bring so much value that you all of a sudden go out and get a whole new TV deal that's through the roof. What does Colorado and Utah and the Arizona schools really bring financially to uh, a TV package you're already sharing with 12 other teams? So I think that's a legitimate question. If it's so much, then yes, do it. Like if USC brings so much more to the billion-dollar media deal for the Big Ten, no-brainer. Which they did. Texas, Oklahoma, no-brainer. If this is a no-brainer... In the, in the checkbook, then okay. But maybe it's not. Maybe 12 is fine. And uh, there's, there's enough football for everybody. There's enough TV channels for everybody. Uh, adding those four is not going to make you closer to the Big Ten and the SEC, right? Not, not really. Not I mean, really?
3: That, that's what you want. Like You want to try and take away some of the financial gap. Because there's no way you're going to catch those two conferences financially. But if it's, if it's not
0: going to be significant to what you currently have with your 12, then maybe you just go... Let's stay 12. Let's stay, stay 12. Let's see, what see what well, happens. Well,
3: and you're in a better position at 12 than the 10 in the Pack 10 Yeah. If they lose some more, then, again, they're back in big trouble area.
0: A lot of panic. And one thing that calms panic down is a little break. Yeah. Some, yeah. some, some deep breaths and go, wait a second. Let's get through the emotion of getting rated. And maybe the Pack 12 can stay together.
3: At N underscore Crowley19 on Twitter says, Like Jerem has said, as far as BYU goes, the proximity and history and the rivalry with Pac-12 teams is better in most ways than the Big 12. So adding these teams is kind of the best of both worlds. I would love Utah to go back to the Mountain West Conference. Ha ha. That's not going to happen.
0: <laughs> we love when Jeremy is incorporated with any kind of voice of reason. <laughs> so... Thank you for that. Uh, you know, they listen, they take notes, and and uh, I I do love those Pac-12 opponents. Last season was a blast. We played five of them. Yeah, it was so fun. beat all five of them. It was great to be was, the de facto Pac-12 South champions. Yeah, but it was fun just just go hey instead of playing East Carolina, we're playing Arizona State. That just that means a little more. Hey, BYU's got Oregon and Stanford this year, and East Carolina. <laughs> Yeah. Kurt Benson on Facebook, adding four to six of these teams would be a great idea for the Big 12. It would improve the overall strength of the conference and provide stability. Yes,
3: both true on both All accounts.
0: True. BYU would benefit from being in a stronger conference and playing the Holy War game annually. Also true. Yeah, so again,
3: I said it earlier. It's not about finances for me when I'm looking at it from the Big 12 lens. It's about more stability. Like, you just want to become a stronger conference overall tack on four more power five teams you go to 16 now you're at 16 with the sec 16 like the big 10 you get 16 in the big 12 and then the acc's at 14 and they're like oh maybe we should add two more and get to 64 now you got your four big 16 team conferences and the pac-12 goes away
0: yeah it's not about finances for me either and it's not about finances for the fans as much as i think it is solidarity until those leagues start cutting us checks Hey, you've been a fan for how many years? We're sending you a check as part of our new TV deal. Then it's like, oh, yeah, Let's hold out for as much as you can possibly get because we get it. Instead, they raise our prices all the time, and, and, and then they get more money from TV. And I'm, I'm like, well, where does it all go? How's it all about that? Really, I just want the blue team to beat the red team this weekend so I can talk smack at church. <laughs> That's how simple and this thing the is. And the truth shall set you free. <laughs> it is so simple. We complicate it so much, but... It's fun to do.
3: Thanks to the latest college football conference realignment shockwave, witnessing USC and UCLA leave the Pac-12 for the Big Ten and take their LA money with them to the Big Ten conference and their media negotiations. Well, we feel like it's only appropriate that we look back on the top five BYU football wins against USC and UCLA. (laughs) To say thanks to the Trojans and Bruins. Top
0: 5 Tuesday presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Number 5. Last year's game at USC. Cougars came in ranked 13th in the country. 4-0 against the Pac-12. And beat them again. 35-31. to Giving them the de facto South Division Championship. I yep. believe there was a banner here. Mm-hmm. Big win.
3: That was the Pac-12 South clincher. It was huge. And BYU is doing it with the walking wounded in large part. At number 4. 2019. USC and Provo the Trojans were ranked 24th that day only to fall to Zach Wilson and company 30 to 27 in overtime Fans actually stormed the field twice that day once after Diane Gawoluku's diving interception Then once again after the referees cleared the field to review the play only
0: to confirm the interception was good and the game was over Plus it was like 150 degrees down there Oh Quite a day Let's go to number three, 2007 win over UCLA in the Vegas Bowl. The Bruins beat them by 10 earlier in the year. Max Hall gets the Cougars into the end zone, comes down to a blocked field goal. Ethan Manumaliuna blocks the game-winning field goal, and UCLA had a kicker that just doesn't miss. There's the block. Cougars yep. win 17-16.
3: At number two, nothing. Enough said. BYU destroyed the Bruins that day at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Austin Collie, Harvey Unga, Dennis Pitta, Max—all all went nuts. Number one, nothing.
0: 1983, BYU beats UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Steve Young, 270, two touchdowns. Casey Tiamalu, average eight yards a carry. 37, 35. Cougs win in the Rose Bowl.
3: Yeah, those were the defending Rose or the eventual Rose Bowl champion, UCLA Bruins. Yeah, it's a good one. It might have been the last time they were actually relevant.
0: The
2: best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. You're talking about it and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's
3: Trending presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Dave, not surprisingly, we have seen more and more and more reports come out about how different teams are positioning and jockeying to join a conference or Stay pat and tether down to the Pac-12, specifically Utah, Arizona State. We even saw some stuff in Colorado come out and say, hey, we're in this with the Pac-12. We're, we're pursuing an ESPN, Fox Sports, media rights deal, and we'll discuss that over the next 30 days. And yesterday we're thinking, well, no, they're in serious talks with at least four teams in the Pac-12 to join the Big 12. So uh, at this point, we're, we're wondering, okay, what, what happens? Like, does the Pac-12 survive? Does the Big 12 need to make the Pac-12 go away? And is adding four to six Pac-12 teams to the Big 12 the right move for that conference? Let's start with that question.
0: You know, we're we're in this strange time of uh, free flow of information, whether it's accurate or not, whether it's credible or not. it's, It's not terribly different from the start of the COVID pandemic. And throughout it, when there, was, there were great opinions on both sides and they constantly flooded social media with opinion based on somebody saying something that <laughs> sounded credible. And so then you're like, well, now I'm on this side. Well, now I'm on this side. This is the same kind of thing, only it has to do with sports, uh, not a pandemic. But you just don't know who to believe. You just don't know, uh, is that tweet right? Is that post right? Is, could this possibly be? On one minute, the Pac-12 is on fire and going away. The other one is, uh, the next minute, they're like, we're going to make a bowl agreement type thing with the ACC, and we're going to hold everybody together. Nobody's talking to anybody. And then you see a text, everybody's talking to other people. So that's the that's the atmosphere for our discussion. And uh, you know, we, we kind of thought we'd see something yesterday because we're in the mode of if it's going to happen, it has to happen fast. When in reality, it doesn't, because none of this is happening until 24, 25. But talking and the hype and the fear of being left behind, which we'll talk with uh, Trevor about coming up, I think um, uh, I think you got to move. It feels like it feels like you got to add teams, doesn't yeah, it?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's why, not surprisingly, the Big 12, according to CBS Sports and Dennis Dodd and several other notable national outlets, are in serious conversations, deep talks with teams in the Pac-12. But after having read things like this from John Wilner, who is in the heart of Pac-12 country, and keep in mind John is the guy that
0: broke the story, broke
3: the story on USC and UCLA leaving for the Big Ten. He's very tied in. He said this, and, and then we'll continue the conversation. I quote, "I this is from a source that he knows, I'd be stunned if Washington and Oregon go to the Big Ten. The Big Ten will sit back for two years then try to get Notre Dame. And not a surprise. We know the Big Ten would love to have Notre Dame.
0: And how many years has the Big Ten been sitting back trying to get Notre Dame? 20? It feels like, yeah, if not longer. So there's no, there's no like, it's going to happen, sure. even if they wait to try to get him in two years.
3: This is John Wilner's source. Yeah. Again, the guy that broke the news. So this, to me, carries some significant weight. He continues. Growing reality is the Ducks and Huskies have to, one, either make it work in the Pac-12, or, two, Join the Big 12. Wilner says, my guess, number one, making it work in the Pac-12, is their preference. If Oregon and Washington, which we feel are the linchpins now remaining in the Pac-12, remain with the Pac-12, then I think that they will lock in their next media rights agreement for however long it is, five to seven years, and they'll just try and make it work and survive, okay, with the 10 remaining teams. If Oregon and Washington legitimately want to leave for the Big 10, then it gets really interesting. But if the Big Ten doesn't want them, why why move? I, I don't know that Oregon and Washington joining the Big 12 would necessarily give them more money in the Big 12 because more teams and more shares of the pie to go around. Or do you just try and be like, hey, we're the big dogs now that USC and UCLA left. Give us more of the share. We'll stay with you. We'll keep the conference right. And they leverage that into more money just staying on the West Coast. So I'm kind of leaning that direction.
0: If the Pac-12 is smart... They will do for Oregon what they did not do to USC, which is whatever you want. We'll give you. We'll, we'll give you whatever we want. We recognize that we'll you are the, you're we, the cornerstone. We'll do what the Mountain West did to Boise State. Yes. What do you want so that you don't leave? The question is, can the other teams in that league trust that Oregon mm. and Washington are being legit, or they're going, dude, in two years we are so out of here. So is the window for, say, the, some of the lesser ones, like Utah – Arizona State, Arizona, and Colorado, which are the four that have been mentioned, is the window now for them to go, we need to solidify our future so that we know where we're yeah. going to
3: be. We don't want to be in a conference where Oregon is getting more of the share. We
0: trusted USC. Why should we trust you?
3: Yeah, we we want to leave. We feel like this is a better financial and more solid place if we as a middling Pac-12 team move to the Big 12. So, again, we asked the question, is adding four to six Pac-12 teams the right move for the Big 12? Absolutely, that would solidify the Big 12. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th-
0: Yes, it would get them to sixteen at least, and if that's the number, they're not going away if they're sixteen. See, Even yeah. if they, if Oklahoma State or Baylor,
3: they get poached away by the SEC. If you're at sixteen and you go to fourteen, you're solid. Yeah. like you're fine. So yes, that's the right move for the Big Twelve. The challenge now is how do you convince the Pac-12 teams that may be considering leaving that. You can come to the Big 12 and get more money and be solidified. You don't have to stay there.
0: And and at least you can go to bed at night knowing that you're going to wake up in the same league the next morning. Yeah. The Big 12 can promise a good night's sleep. Uh, (laughs) The the other thing that's out there is um, the notion that should the Big 12 kill the (laughs) (laughs) Pac-12? It sounds so harsh, if they if they take four teams – Then the Pac 12 would basically cease to exist no matter what Oregon or Washington did. And there's a quote in the Atlantic or the Athletic today talking about that. Uh, And um, a a group of 5 AD, not sure who it is, tells shame on the Big 12 if they don't do what the Pac 12 was unwilling to do last year. What was the Pac 12 unwilling to do? They didn't want to expand, which would have torpedoed. The Big 12. Exactly. It would have ended the Big 12 yes. had they grabbed four teams. They were set. They, they o- made it Oklahoma very public. Oklahoma State, whoever, yes. just get four teams.
3: We are, we are happy to stay at 12. We will have no expansion. Like, they doubled down on that. They had their alliance, which clearly was a loose partnership.
0: Yeah, everything's loose. <laughs> Short-lived That's the theme for
3: loose. <laughs> My goodness. But, yeah, this is a great point. The Big 12 – was so proactive last year when they lost Texas and Oklahoma, and you got to credit Bob we for going yeah. like, "Look, we don't want this thing to go away. We want to preserve."
0: BYU football. was invited in a week.
3: Yes, in the Southwest in Texas, we we want this conference to remain and become more powerful. Which is why, you know, it's silly to think that they wouldn't want to solidify it even further and just add more Power Five teams. I know people are like, "Well." It, Adding Utah and Colorado and Arizona and Arizona states not going to help that much financially. It's not going to be – I don't think they're worried about the finances right now. They're worried about just having a conference that is clearly going to be the third best and third strongest so that if some poaching does happen, they're still there. It's not a like, hey, you take two teams, now your conference might go away altogether. That's the scenario that the Pac-12 is in. The Big 12 wants to add more teams so they don't have to deal with that ever again. They've been yeah. through They know how horrible
0: that is. Like, Stop dragging us into this.
3: We're done. We're done with that.
0: It'll be interesting though uh, for BYU if if six Pac-12 teams came over, and the Pac-12 went away uh, for scheduling for BYU in the long term. In the short term, it's kind of I think there's kind of the feel of, you know, I'm going to stiff arm you over here. We're going. We this is our moment to go into P5 status in the Big 12. But long term, um, you'd rather play those teams than West Virginia and Cincinnati and some of those. If given a choice, because of the of the region that we're in, it's easier for BYU fans to get the games in California, or Oregon, or Washington than uh, than West Virginia. That's not to saying they won't be there when the Cougars take the field, but what do you what, what do you think about that? I think long term, it's to BYU's advantage to have those Pac-12 teams come in, uh, but in the short term, when when everyone's ego's kind of up and and, uh, and and been out of shape that people don't want to talk about. That.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I like the West Coast partnerships. I love the idea of BYU and Utah specifically being in the same conference yeah. and playing meaningful November games with conference implications on the line. I love the idea of that. And I like the idea of BYU being able to go to the West Coast where there's a huge alumni base and the Cougars are well-supported out there. That said, keep in mind the Big 12 was ready to negotiate their – grant of media rights and television contract just with the 12 teams that they have right now. They felt confident that they can go and get the money that they need with the 12 that they have right now. So, adding four more again, I don't feel like the finance is like, well, how much more could we get if we add Utah and Colorado and Arizona and Arizona say, "Yeah, yeah, it's there. This is more about survival." Yeah. Like add more teams to feel more confident about survival first and foremost. So that's why I think absolutely adding teams is the right move for the Big 12, just so they don't have to go through it again.
2: Yeah. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
3: Returning to the program is a columnist for the Tulsa World College Football Insider, Garen Emig. Garen, welcome back to the show. Happy belated Independence Day.
1: Thank you. And same to you. Hope everyone took good care and enjoyed themselves. I hope the weather's more uh, tolerable where you are than it is here in, in Tulsa. Yeah.
3: Thankfully, low humidity in the Rocky Mountain area. We don't take that for granted. And certainly with fireworks going off all weekend, Uh, The proverbial fireworks in the college football realignment world were resounding, and we're just trying to wrap our heads around what all of this means, specifically for the Big 12 and for a team like BYU who's set to join the Big 12 next year. Just walk us through your initial reaction to the shockwave put out in the world by USC and UCLA joining the Big 10.
1: Well, it wasn't the freak out of a year ago because that that directly involved uh, Oklahoma and the Big 12 with uh, the Sooners in Texas. You know, that that uh, grenade going off with them and the SEC. That sort of, I guess, maybe prepared people for for the next seismic quake and uh, might have reined in some of the reaction on on Thursday. But it, it was substantial. It is going to be substantial. This obviously doesn't end with the Trojans and Bruins going from the pack to the to the Big Ten all eyes, uh, I think, are focused on Notre Dame nationally and, and the possibility that they're going to be involved in, in some kind of a maneuver next. But it does trickle back to the Big 12, trickles back uh, in particular around here to Oklahoma State. Cowboys and that conference had just sort of, I think, steady themselves in the wake of Oklahoma and Texas. In fact, the uh, Athletic Director Chad Weiberg at OSU uh, put it to me just several weeks ago at Big 12 spring meetings that he feels that, that he can finally play a little offense after being on defense the past 11 months. And he says that, and then you turn around and you get, you know, you get this news. And now I think everyone, uh, in big 12 country, and certainly at at Oklahoma state are are pivoting back to a little defensive posture and and who's to blame them given what happened. So it's, it's, it's uncomfortable again, I think would be the best term.
0: Yeah. Garen, if you're advising the new commissioner of the big 12, what do you want him to do? Be as proactive as possible.
1: And that's not going to be easy. Uh, this is a this is a guy in Brett Yormark whose name did not register with people when news broke that he was going to replace Bob Bullsby. You had to have you had to have been a New Jersey Nets fan to even know who this guy was. <laughs> and that's literal, right? Because the yeah. guy ran the ran the Nets for 14 years or, or one of the properties. He comes from Rock Nation. That's we, we associate that with, with music and entertainment, not yeah. so much sports. They have a sports wing, but he's all of a sudden entrusted with seeing the conference through at a time where he's just getting to know the lay of the land. And again, I use the word uncomfortable. I mean, that, that can't make anyone feel real steady about the Big 12. That's not your Mark's fault. This is just what he has inherited. So it, it will be fascinating to see how he reacts and how quickly he gets, gets himself stabilized.
3: The most popular four teams out there, which are kind of circulating for whatever reason, we've seen Brett McMurphy talk about it and uh, an Arizona uh, entity talk about it, but that... Adding Arizona State, Arizona, Utah, and Colorado seem like the most logical, geographic, competitive fit. What would that do for the Big 12 if, indeed, your mark as the commissioner moves forward with that and they add those four teams?
1: Stabilizes the conference. Look, though, you bring in a, a foursome like that, that's not enough, I don't think the big 12 would call itself probably <laughs> as we, we, we sort of readjust our terms for this, the big 12 and that version of it would probably call itself a, a power third, right. Yeah, after yeah. the SEC, after the SEC and the big 10 truth is it wouldn't be it, it just, I mean, that's, that's how much the separation has been established between those two leagues and everybody else. And the, and again, the only school that I think changes that dynamic is Notre Dame. If for some reason the Irish uh, or to, to not join the Big Ten, but to join sort of a, a a league that we're not even envisioning right now, well, then maybe the landscape changes. So you're not looking to, you're looking to keep up the, as best you can if you're the Big 12 or the ACC or the PAC with the other two, but but the, the reality is you're not going to. So what you're trying to do is stabilize. You're trying to get yourself as as sweet, a new media rights deal in 2025 if you're the Big 12 as as you can. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado, besides making the most geographic sense, not that that means anything anymore. Right. We're talking about... We're talking about the same conference that's had West Virginia, for goodness sake, out there on an island for 10 years. It makes sense geographically, but more than anything, I think it it stabilizes the league longer term financially with with regard to media rights revenue.
0: Is that more important than getting Oregon into the into the Big 12 is to taking those four and stabilize? Or if you get Oregon and maybe Washington, uh, would that give them enough to be a little bit closer to the power, two?
1: I think so, just because. Uh, just this morning, fellas, I was doing some sports media watch research at, at some of the TV numbers uh, from la- this past season since we've been we've been conditioned to see this in terms of, again, media rights contracts. And if you're going to condition yourself to think that way, you really need to go into viewership. I know I know people throw around the term brand a lot, and that I think that matters, especially when it comes to something like Notre Dame. But what you're really looking for is what football programs bring in the biggest viewerships and uh, a quick review of even last year. Oregon didn't have a vintage season show that the Ducks did did quite well. And, and that didn't just go for their bowl game against Oklahoma. Sure. But uh, in the regular season. So yeah, I mean, well, if you bring in Oregon and Washington, maybe along with the four schools from the pack that we just mentioned, now you're really talking more about a merger, aren't we? Than than a consolidation of you know of the Big 12's power. This is that's more of a merger. And maybe the two leagues go that route, right? Maybe your mark and George Kleyovkov work out some kind of a deal. This is cutthroat. I doubt that happens. But uh, if you're talking merger and not so much consolidation, then I I think it sets you up longer term for more revenue opportunities. Whether that happens, I I don't know. I, I really have no idea.
3: Now, what some Big 12 fans are worried about, specifically BYU fans, are that maybe the Big 12 gets poached from and the Big 10 or the SEC come after a team like Oklahoma State or Baylor. What do you feel like is going to happen? And it, should there be concern that the Big 12 is going to be poached from? Or do you feel like they're kind of good where they are?
1: I don't blame people for being concerned because this is, a, again, a this is a, a backstabbing – this has become a backstabbing business, and that's no more personified than what happened Thursday. We were, we were led to believe that there was some kind of alliance, right, between these three non-Power <laughs> yeah. 2 conferences. Well, that – yeah, right. I it was mean, short-lived. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it really, you laugh. It's a joke. So um, it's that's right. So you yeah, if you're if you're uh, Brett Yormark, if you're uh, if you're uh, George Kleofkoff, if you're Jim Phillips, uh, you're all, you're all three concerned about who's doing what behind my back, who's doing what without my knowledge. And so um, the other thing is, if again just to just to boil this down to individual schools, I mean, if you're Chad Weiberg and Casey Shrum, the athletic director and president at Oklahoma State. And this has just happened, and you know the trickle and the and the uh the rumble is coming your way from what happened. You you better review all options. And if your option is better served by you seeking a new home outside of the Big 12 and the PAC or some kind of a merger or consolidation, i.e. SEC, you take advantage of the opportunity. Do I have do I have any idea that the SEC would be more interested in Oklahoma State now than it was last Thursday before? usc and ucla happened i have no idea but if i'm oklahoma state i'm i'm working the phone lines to try to figure that out right now
0: sure Gary meg with the tulsa world columnist there uh we're now in the mode of everything needs to happen lightning fast so uh if teams aren't announced by the end of today uh or the end of the week people will be thinking that my guy's not doing anything or or we're just going right. to be left to the curve what 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 kind of speed do you see happening even through today, where there's report of conversations going on between schools and, and the Big Twelve? What, what's what's the timeline?
1: Yeah, that's kind of a relative question. It's a good question, but it's relative because uh, we're conditioned for there to be a quick counterstrike, at least around the Big Twelve. After Texas and Oklahoma left for the SEC late last summer, it didn't take Bob Bullsby very long to pivot and raid the American or their three biggest brands, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, as well as the addition of, of, of Brigham Young. And so that, but I don't know if that's, that was sort of a, you know, I've got to do something in the aftermath of losing 50% of my media rights value, which is what the percentage was thought to be at the time. I don't know if in this instance, you can operate with with that kind of timeline uh, in, your, in your hip pocket. I, I just, unless people knew more than what they've let on uh, there, there was so much of an off guard uh, to to what happened Thursday that it, it's it's probably going to take some time for those phone calls to be made, those contacts to be made, and I don't I just don't think something like this comes together uh, that fast, especially if you, especially if you have a, a power five rating another power five, right? Uh, in the case of what OU, what the Big Twelve did with the American and BYU, well that you know that that wasn't power five on power five, it was power five on group of five in the case of the of the AAC. So we'll see. Uh, is, is I guess my two word answer in terms of timeline. I think everyone would feel better because of the discomfort and the, and the the distrust right now, if this thing moved quickly, but um, there's a lot of mechanisms in place that have to, uh, to have to, you know, oil themselves out for, for that to occur.
3: Garen, great stuff. And, and really, again, it all comes down to just trying to get within that huge financial gap that we learned uh, with the big 10 and sec teams are going to be expecting over a hundred million dollars per school yeah. and the new yeah. TV rights. And the other three Power Fives are right around thirty-five or forty million, and so it, yeah, it's just a race to try and close that gap. But is it an exercise in
1: futility at this point? Yes, yeah, it is. That's right. No, I mean, if, if you're if you're going about this, if you're if you're the Big Twelve of the Pack, and you're going about this, well, well, again, how do we join their ranks? You're not you're not dealing in reality. You're not going to join those ranks. That that pardon the cliche, but that die has been cast. Okay. There's all there, and and this is assuming that. Well, like the only thing, the only thing that could, that could, I guess, color that die is if we, uh, we, we're not privy to media rights money that doesn't that we we're not accustomed to seeing. But if this is not just a consolidation of those two conferences, but the two the two networks that show those games, ESPN and Fox, right? I mean, there's only so there's only so much more money they're going to want to spend. So now you're asking. Things, you're asking NBC, you're asking CBS, you're asking streaming services like Apple and Amazon to get involved, and maybe they do, and maybe they have more billions to throw around than we think. But uh, I, if you're looking, if you're looking to join those ranks uh, and, and, and close those ranks, I don't, I don't think that's uh, that's a realistic option. You're just doing, you're just trying to do the best you can for yourself and, and to stay in, in the in healthiest and richest business that you can.
3: Wow. What a world in the realignment of college football. Garen Emig of the Tulsa world. Great stuff. Uh, how do BYU fans and college football fans find more of your material?
1: Well, you got to spell my name, first of all, correctly. You've done me a favor putting it on screen. It's Garen, G-U-E-R-I-N, Emig, E-M-I-G. That's the Twitter handle. Check me out on social media there. And then at TulsaWorld.com sports. It's pretty easy to do. Uh bless you for any uh, any hits this generates keeps me in business a little longer hey, and I appreciate, I appreciate anytime you need me i'm here for you i ah, enjoy doing this stuff we got it
3: spelling right included uh go and follow him on twitter <laughs> and read more of his material great stuff
1: garen we'll
2: talk again soon thank you all
1: right take care guys
2: we'll be right back with more of the best of byu sports nation The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation.
3: What's Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event.
2: You know what? Let's just go ahead
3: and get right to it. Hit it!
2: Countdown to the bull.
3: 58 days, 58 days away. BYU at South Florida. Still didn't harmonize right. It's okay. We'll get. We'll get it. We need to work on it. Okay. On the golf course. The the unison. Okay. Yeah. First, you you establish the unison. Then hey, the we'll, fact that then I didn't even we'll start and finish the when you did
5: was better than you know, <laughs> than we've done before. But I really want to harmonize with you on that. So. Okay.
3: Fair enough. <laughs> the
5: entertainer in me wants to be able to do that. So. <laughs> Spencer's not going to work
3: on that. And at some point we'll harmonize on that. It'll be for you. perfect by the time the news sets out. Yes, okay? there we go. Fifty eight days away BYU in Tampa Bay at the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady, who's like sixty-eight years old. But <laughs> hey, hey, they're they're giving way to the Bulls and the Cougars to open up their respective college football seasons.
5: He's my idol because he's the only guy older than me still playing.
3: <laughs> Here's the thing, Blaine. ESPN's football power index, yes, they have BYU favored to beat USF, not mm-hmm. a shocker. But we were a little shocked to see the overall projection from FBI. And again, this is a computer projection. These are not people, these are not voters. These are strictly numbers crunched by computers. They have BYU going seven and five in 2022. Seven and five? Uh, everybody else is saying, Oh, the Cougars should win at worst eight games, probably nine games. Uh, I'm leaning towards ten games. Right. Based on what they've done the past two years hey, on this show. School, I, I set the over under at nine point five. There you go. Right. Okay. So, does the FPI having BYU going seven and five make you push pause on the BYU hype train and hit the brakes and slow down just a little bit?
5: So it certainly makes me step back mm-hmm. and go through the numbers in detail, and 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 so I, I kind of doubling my efforts on my off season research. I'm going, did I? Am I missing something here? And and mostly it's about because I, I know what BYU is. I'm really confident that I know in detail every position group at BYU and what they've got coming back. That's what has given me confidence. Okay. But have I have I not put in enough time on their opponents cuz some cuz I'm going wait a minute here and what am I missing? And I think computers have a hard time with BYU. I think even people, putting their eyes on folks, have a hard time with BYU. With return missionaries, gray shirts, last year with a lot of injuries and guys coming back. It's kind of hard to evaluate preseason what they're going to be any year, let alone when they've had as many injuries as they did last year. But I'm asking myself things like, wait a minute, is Baylor not as good as I thought they were? Because the FPI index makes that game like closer to a toss-up than okay. where I'm like, God, I thought Baylor was going to be really good. Are Stanford and Liberty... Better than I'm giving them credit for because I didn't think I thought that those games would be. I just marked those two down as, as wins, although I know Liberty and Stanford have talent, sure. I know, but I felt like, wow, they're, they're like almost 50 mm-hmm. 50 games. Is Boise State way better than I thought they were going to be this year? I know they got a lot of folks coming back. Um, so now, now I find myself after I read this last night digging into the scouting reports, returning players for these other teams because mm-hmm. I'm did what did I miss? Maybe 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 it is a nine point five. Maybe maybe Boise State's better than I think they're going to be. Sure.
3: And for the record, BYU is ranked number forty six overall in the Football Power Index. Twenty one spots out of the top twenty five.
5: Right. Now you talk about the people numbers. Sure. If, If you look at. All of the preseason polls, and they all, they're all called the way too early preseason poll, right? But you across the board, the teams that are consistently ranked on BYU schedule, including BYU, who's in most of those polls, well, in the, the top way. twenty in many right, instances. In, in, in almost all of them. Oregon is consistently ranked. Baylor's consistently ranked. Notre Dame's in the top ten in everybody's poll. Oregon's in a couple people's top top ten poll, and then Arkansas's in some and not in others. So, so to me, it's like though. Well, I agree with everybody. Those are the those are the four teams that are going to be the biggest challenge, um, but you know in the ESPN FPI if if you look down here that Baylor a 42.8% win percentage
3: for BYU in Provo right
5: and so so to me the way i look at it is if it's 70% 65% to 70% or higher then then that's pretty much you could you can count on a win there unless something happens if it's 35% or lower then then it's like yeah that team should should beat BYU so if it's if it's between 40 and 60 then you're going, well, that's kind of a toss-up game, and and they've got they've got Baylor at 42.8 mm-hmm. percent. You know they they've got uh, which I thought, wow, that's interesting. I thought Baylor coming in here with a size and physicality. And I know they lose some key cogs. They lose a lot of that back seven on defense. Um, you know, Oregon they have at 20, 25.9. You saw there. They do not like BYU's, they, chances they like at BYU's chance at Stadium, and I mean I say that's. It's interesting because I felt like BYU had a better chance to go in and surprise Oregon because of matchups.
3: Who is Oregon? Even they've right. got a brand new coach than Baylor,
5: brand new scheme. Right? They got a transfer quarterback. Like who is Oregon? Well, and the one that surprises me—they have Arkansas forty-six point four percent win percentage for BYU. So they're saying Arkansas is going to come into Provo um, from down close to sea level <laughs> for the first time, play in Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and I mean that's like again that's kind of in that toss-up range, but but I would think. I would think BYU might be favored in that one, maybe 55% or 56% rather than Arkansas. In this, they would be favored in that game. And then how about Boise State? That's the one that surprised me the most. Um, They have Boise State, at Boise State, Mm -hmm. 43% win percentage for, for BYU. Yet in their overall FPI, they got BYU 46 and Boise State 47. But they think on the road, the blue. On blue turf, they're
3: looking at history and what BYU has not been able to do most of the time up there, which is win. BYU has yeah. one win on the blue.
5: Yeah, based on this, they say Boise State's going to win. Then I'm going, oh man, I need to go back and take another look at Boise State. They got Hank Bachmeier back. They've got some linemen back. Um, so so who knows on that one? Then Stanford. Um, they're expecting them to be better than I thought they were going to be. They still give BYU a chance to win a Stamper, but 52.9. Sure. They're basically calling that game a toss-up, they're calling Liberty a toss-up. They're, they're calling Baylor somewhat of a toss-up. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting. But if you take it in and compile it all, you come up with what you talked about at the beginning, 7-5 for BYU. Yeah. How okay.
3: are you feeling about that? So, again, uh, the initial reaction is, huh? What? What? And I know some BYU fans out there are like, well, ESPN has no idea what they're talking about. Again, these are computer Computer projections. This has nothing to do with people. They're just putting in numbers, returning mm-hmm. production, like margins of victory. And this number changes the goes on, right? Yes, it constantly updates. It updates week to week. So, in fact, from ESPN, the football power index measures teams' true strength on net points scale, expected point margin versus average opponent on a neutral field. Okay, so again, this is just a formula. It's a mathematical formula. And keep in mind, it's it's not a science. I hate to bring it up, but in twenty seventeen, ESPN's FPI had BYU going ten and two. All right, ten and yeah. two. Remember that four and nine. BYU had their worst season in fifty years. Right. You can't account for injuries. What, and... what did they have them last year? They had BYU going overall. They had BYU going uh, eight and four, but they had BYU favored in ten games. Right. So BYU favored in ten games, but overall going eight and four, just because you, some of those toss-ups are going to go both ways, right? Yes. Okay, so the question we asked is, does it give you pause? It, it makes you slow down uh, initially, but no. Then I think about what BYU has. No, I'm going right back to they're going to win at least nine games.
5: It makes it makes me do more research. But then after I do my research, feel, I still think feels, they're going to win nine, nine or more 80, games. Yes. I'm with you, man. So
3: yeah, There you go. Right there, BYU is going to win at least nine games. The three shockers for me were at USF. I thought BYU would be like eh, more than 80, 85 percent chance to win the game. It's 64.8 percent chance to win that opener. Mm-hmm. It's because USF brings back. 85% of their yep. production from last year. Yep. That's why. That's there why the go. computer likes USF. Okay? And then you brought them up. Liberty and Stanford. Essentially toss Oh, of surprised games. me. Yep. At Liberty and Stanford are toss of games. It's like, ooh. That one, yeah. Okay. I paused. All right. Yeah. The, the, the pause happened there for me.
2: Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
3: Alongside Dave McCann, I am Spencer Linton. Great to have you with us on BYU Sports Nation. Speaking of 1983 BYU football, the starting center of every game in that season, ESPN College Football insider and five out of five stars, BYUSN contributor Trevor Madich joins us to hang out in the summer. Hope your summer season's going well, Trevor.
6: Welcome back to the program. Thank you, Spencer. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, uh, every I, I played. I started every game that year splitting time with Robert and I. Uh, he played the second and fourth quarter of every game. And, of course, now you know, he went on to be an offensive coordinator here and then at Virginia and now at Syracuse. And so Robert and I has turned into a brilliant football mind. And so he was there sharing that position with me. Have we asked Trevor the question of who's better,
0: 83 or 84, since you played on both teams?
3: Well, we can go there again right now, Trevor, if you'd like to um... – Make a statement and take a stance on that
6: that's a tough one. It's a really <laughs> tough one, but I think eighty four was probably the best team mm. uh, overall well, you, you can point to positions so, yeah yeah you you can point to positions where eighty three was better, but I think overall as a team the way that the 84 team came together as a unit with that win over Pitt to open the season with the Kyle Morrell miraculous <laughs> stop on the goal line at Hawaii and all the things that drove us together, I think a team as a whole, you'd have to give the edge to 84. Did that win you over? Are you just
0: going to hold steady at it's, 84?
3: It's hard to argue with Trevor all It always is. So now I'm waffling. Thanks, Trevor. I'm waffling on my hill. Uh, speaking of waffling, college football in general and the Power Five as we know it is floating out there in the wind somewhere. Uh, what's next for college football in your opinion and again this idea that we have grown accustomed to of a power five?
6: Well, what's next is unknown although I think we can throw away the concept of incremental change at this point because the the SEC absorbing Oklahoma and Texas was was huge. But this move of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten has the potential to be that complete destruction of the paradigm that we know and the rebuilding of a new paradigm. And this is what people need to watch for to see if that actually occurs. They need to watch for whether or not an expanded Big Ten and SEC hold their own playoff. In other words, have an NFC and AFC style two- or three-round playoff to determine the conference championships, then have their version of the Super Bowl, call it the national championship, which most years would probably be, Mm. and then exclude everybody else from that. Only those two conferences are involved. If they then collectively bargain with the players, because you couldn't really have a collective bargaining agreement with 130 teams because they're disparate resources and commitment and needs and things like that. Uh, But if they have these two super conferences and they do that, uh, they'll be able to have a much more even playing field that they would then be able to collectively bargain, either as a a union of employees or as a trade association of independent contractors, the players now, and that would likely also include not just nil but also uh very possibly revenue sharing as well so if they could have a commissioner if all those things happen they would be then creating a top tier of college football a top division and then there's everybody else that they left behind if that happens then because of access to the national championship and all the rest of it there will be a massive disruption that goes way beyond just conference realignment Mm. however if they decide to not go that route if they decide to be the the top two super conferences, but then still have a 12-team playoff, still include everybody in the FBS and all that, then the biggest change for most fans will be a different conference logo on some jerseys and a shakeup of scheduling. So the thing to watch for is, do those two conferences make their own national championship playoff that excludes everybody else? And they might do it, but we don't know yet. What seems odd to
0: me, though, Trevor, in that scenario is, in those two big conferences, You shave off the upper six teams, or seven or eight maybe, uh, from those groups. You've got the elite teams. But the, the teams below them are subpar at best and nowhere near their level. So how can they put these two leagues together and say, we are now the best, most important 40 teams in the country, when 20 of those teams aren't even close
6: to the other 20 that are in the upper half of the leagues? have a lot of people would be asking that question. And I think their response would be, look at who's been in the playoffs since its inception and look who's won most of the national championships. And it's essentially been Ohio State in the first year of the playoff, I believe. And then the SEC in Clemson. And that's been about it. Uh, and so they would say that, yeah, it's, it's the upper tier that matters anyway. And then what they would then do is point you to other teams around the country and say, which of these teams have actually been a threat to win the national championship in the playoff era. So that's what they would say. Uh, Is that is that fair? Is it right? I don't think fair and right are part of the issue right now. Nick Saban, Alabama's coach, has talked for years about the need to make sure that college football as a whole at the top takes care of college football at the bottom so that the the whole entity works well. But what we've seen with this conference realignment from individual teams and from conferences is that, okay, that didn't work out so well. We're going to do what's best for our self-interest and let the let the chips fall where they may. And so that's where we are now. So whether or not something is good for all of college football right now, I don't think is, is the the primary focus. I think it's what do I need to do as an individual program and conference to make sure I don't get left behind.
3: Great stuff from Trevor Maddox, ESPN college football insider, Trevor, it is clearly at least from what we can tell now a race to become the third best conference. It feels that way anyway. And the big 12, according to Pete Thamel of ESPN, one of your colleagues and compatriots, he says, they're in the best position to become the third most powerful conference, but that can change very quickly. What does the Big 12 need to do to become that third most powerful conference behind the Big 10 and the SEC?
6: I don't think they need to do a whole lot different. If you talk about conference from top to bottom, I mean the, the four teams that they brought in to replace Texas and Oklahoma are, are not just sleeping giants. I mean they're, they're awake and they're stirring. You know, Cincinnati made the playoff last year. UCF beats SEC schools from time to time. Houston is one of the most storied and successful athletic programs, top to bottom, in all of college sports. And all of these programs are committed fully To maximizing their opportunities, not just with football, but with all athletics. And so you've got four programs that come in that bring in recruiting footprints that are are critical. In BYU's case, it's a national footprint and even an international footprint. And so I think right now the Big 12 did about as good as you could possibly hope for to, to move forward from the departure of Texas and Oklahoma. Now, if the Big 12 is able to to lure some of the other Pac-12 schools there, that would further solidify it. Then what they need to do is make sure that at the top, they're competing with the likes of Clemson, because again, the college football world looks at who's your best team, who's your national championship contender. And so the Big 12, in order to really solidify uh, themselves as that next league, would need to have a team or two or three actually compete for a national championship the way that Clemson has competed for those national championships.
0: All right, let's say you're the commissioner of the Big 12, and in the next five seconds you've got to decide which four teams you want to invite
6: from the Pac-12 that you think you can get. Who are they? Well, it's that you think you can get is important, and timing is important. I think what we've learned with this whole process is that it doesn't pay to sit back and wait for things to happen and see what the best scenario is. You've got to jump because you don't know what other teams are thinking. I mean, nobody knew that Texas and Oklahoma were talking to the SEC until all of a sudden, bang, it happened. And in with USC and UCLA, it just shocked everybody. I mean, I don't know how you keep things like that secret, uh, but they were able to keep it secret. So now if other programs, say in the Pac-12 as an example, say, yeah, no, we're, we're committed here to the Pac-12. We're not going anywhere. Based on recent history, can you afford to trust them? For example, um, you know, the there's talk. That if Notre Dame, uh, whatever Notre Dame does, the Big Ten might continue to expand out into the Pac-12. You know, Washington and Oregon are members of the American um, uh, Association of American Universities (AAU), the so they fit academically. Same way with Cal and Stanford. Same way with Utah, by the way. And so, you know, if if everybody says we're committed to the Pac-12, but behind the scenes, Washington and Oregon are about to take off. What would that do if you lost an opportunity to then go to the Big 12 because you believe what they said? Now, I'm not sure. I'm not saying that anybody is being dishonest. I'm just saying in this climate, how do you trust what anybody's doing? So right now, the Big 12, is it's reported that they are talking to the Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado. Utah has come out and vehemently denied that. Utah has, has publicly reiterated their commitment to the Pac-12. But if you if you move away from the individual schools and just look at the climate, I would think that if, if Pac 12 schools that don't have a firm, you know, indication from the Big Ten that they're gonna take them at some point, then if you get it out from the Big Twelve, it would be kind of hard to not go. It's not because the Pac Ten now would not be a viable league. It would be with Washington. Oregon, uh, Stanford, uh, Utah, it would be a viable league. Sure. What you can't trust, though, is that all four of those schools and the rest of them are going to stay. You don't know that. So when the opportunity arises, you may see people go. So right now the Big 12, the ones that they are are reported to be looking at, Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah, would be terrific additions.
3: Trevor Maddux of ESPN is on BYU Sports Nation. This feels almost harsh to ask, Trevor, but – is it in the best interest of the Big 12 to poach from the Pac 12 and essentially wipe out the Pac 12?
6: Well, you know how, uh, is it in your best interest to, to not steal a loaf of bread from the store? Most of the time, yeah. But if your kids are starving, then you got to do what you got to do, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting theft. I think maybe it would be better to go in and wash the windows or something like that, <laughs> but uh, for the loaf of bread. But how hungry you are. Is, is what matters the most. And so, you know, would it be in the best interest of the Big 12 to poach? My thought is absolutely the Big 12 was the, the, the least stable conference teetering on the edge of oblivion for the last several years. All of a sudden, uh, we, we're crazy. But now with the addition of the four new teams and with the possibility of bringing in some of the Pac-12 schools, it looks quite stable. And if I'm the Big 12, uh, I would be very tempted to do everything I can to – Further that stability, regardless of who gets mad at me, because right now the SEC and the Big Ten have both set the stage. They've set the paradigm. We're in the age of poaching. So it almost seems like if you don't at least try, you're not doing your job well enough.
0: I think one thing we're seeing is this aura of that. There's just so much money for all of these conferences. Uh, that no matter what they do, like a billion dollars in the Big Ten and a billion dollars in the SEC and, and a bunch of money all over the place, where's all this coming from? And outside of your contract with ESPN, how does ESPN afford all this? Uh, and are they just going to raise the subscription rate so we're actually
6: the ones who are financing the operation for all these schools? Now, well, broadcasting is in transition as well, and one thing that we haven't seen yet is what it might look like if multiple streaming companies come in and start to compete. When you you know Amazon's already kind of dipped their foot in the water by getting the NFL Thursday Night Package, but when you look at the streaming pack, you look at the, uh, Amazon Prime and Disney Plus, Netflix, Peacock, Discovery Plus, all these different things. What they what they offer is fantastic original content and fantastic older content that you can binge watch it all live sports is the one thing that you can't binge watch you have to be there and if one of these streaming platforms can be the platform of live college football because they outbid everybody else it gives them i believe a a huge advantage in the market we haven't seen what will happen if that kind of bidding war starts to happen now espn connected with disney plus And so I'm not sure exactly how that would work out either. I would say that's a pretty big advantage. But at the same time, that's one of the reasons that I don't believe that you're going to have too much trouble with the schools that are not in the Big Ten and the SEC. If you compare those schools and their income and the rest of it to the two super conferences, well, they're going to be wanting. But because – this this expansion doesn't change the number of games available really for the inventory for broadcasters you know there's still a number of broadcast windows they're still filled up with the you know a number of games and that's what it is espn on tuesday and wednesday nights in october and november run mac games and they get great ratings because people love it so the question is who else is going to jump in and start to bid for these things because the rights are going up like crazy but the reason the rights are going up is because the value is going up
3: Trevor, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon.
2: Great to see you. Thanks, guys. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. With no music, it almost feels right. Like the
3: reverence of this moment, because we, are, in a way, are saying goodbye to an era, you an idea of BYU we Sports Nation. Said
5: it. Hey, can you bring the music
3: down? Because we want to talk. We want to calm this thing down. Okay? Again, we're we're feeling the nostalgia just run through us right now. Uh, We have some tough decisions to make. Mm -hmm. Like, primarily, what pieces of swag are we going to take with us? Because a lot of this is not gonna make its way to the new studio. Yeah,
5: what what when what should make its way to the new studio? That's the other question, right?
3: The Greg picture, you're in favor of,
5: right? Oh, I think Greg should <laughs> Greg should carry over. I'm not I'm not gonna say really what I'm gonna take with me. But um Just gonna hold something
3: some things up. Neon yellow Nike. Shoes. Guess what I
5: discovered? These are my size.
3: <laughs> are my Perfect size. fit. Uh, somewhere Jerem Jordan is he's Jerem doesn't he's, wear this size he's feeling squeamish. Every,
5: guys, Jerem Jordan wears a size four. <laughs> These are elevens. So
3: uh, okay. Greg,
5: no, I might not be able to take those. Yeah.
3: I'm sure Greg's probably gonna come in here and grab a few things. Yeah. Listen, I brought the Dale Murphy sign baseball when he spoke to BOA baseball. That one's going with me. I probably want the Cosmo bobbleheads. There's a piece of the national championship floor from when the women's volleyball team mm. Played in the national championship game in 2014 that they brought back for us and signed. I want that. What
5: what about what about my game helmet from back when I was playing?
3: Oh, the one the the, the original navy blue helmet. Yeah, that was that was your game. That's <laughs> from that's from my time. Am I too
5: tethered to this thing to go get Dude, it? You
3: and Tom Brady are the only ones that could pull that off. Now yeah, no. <laughs> I was gonna go get it and, and see if my cord was long enough to go get it, but
5: but. Uh, Honestly, I had a helmet just like that when I was a kid. New That's York so Giants, helmet. growing up in New York, I had a Giants helmet with a double bar face mask. That's what they wore back in those days. I would put that thing on. Yeah. And my next neighbor had a Cleveland Browns helmet, and we would go out and play full go, Browns against the Giants with those helmets on, <laughs> and hit full go. The, and then, with the,
3: plastic, helmets with plastic helmets on? With plastic
5: helmets on. We are playing full go, head-to-head. You've always known there's something wrong with me.
3: <laughs> that, now I know why. It, it goes back. It goes back to that. Now now I know why. All right, uh, we do need to get to some tweets, and yes, specifically sure. our Elite Voice of the Day, presented by Sundance Mounts Resort, answering this question. When you look at the football power index win probabilities, what is your reaction? We don't like 7-5 and five playing. Yeah. We, we feel like BYU's going to win at least nine
5: games. Ryefish65 says... I already bet my mortgage on BYU over 8.5
3: wins. (laughs) So I'm glad you didn't listen to me and do the 9.5, right? At Quinny on Twitter says, I like being underestimated. There you go. Okay. Okay. Mad Eye Cosmo
5: says, to quote the great and powerful Aaron Roderick, stats are for
3: losers. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite, favorite sound bites all time in the history of Aaron Roderick being Uh, a coach at BYU. Stats are for losers. Well, unless the stats are really good because then stats are for winners.
5: Yeah, and I, um, uh, Luke Balakos on Instagram says, seven five three three question marks. They did us dirty. Yeah, the
3: computers. Yeah, the not, computers. Not, the, the computers did us dirty. Okay, uh, now for the elite voice. Okay, the, the elite of the elite. Lame then Carol on Instagram says, freezing cold take. Okay, <laughs> bookmark that one. The ESPN-FBI preseason when BYU well exceeds that, we'll come back and we'll we'll send that yeah, to freezing cold take. I'm
5: sticking – this made me pause. I went back and did more research. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking with my 9.5 or more, over, which means that you can't win 9.5. Over and a half, under so 9.5. Yeah, wow. 9.5 is my over
3: under. I like it. Today's Rise and out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Yes, to this iteration of Studio B, my friends. It's been an 8.5-year run in the studio. Today is the last show on this currently constituted set. Things are changing. It's going to be a fun couple of months. Thanks for hanging out, Blaine. Ah, it's good to be here on the last show in this studio. I love it. For Blaine Fowler and our guest Greg Rebel. I am Spencer Linton. Let's give a shout-out to Mark Bellini. We'll see you on Monday in a new studio.
2: That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU
0: TV and BYU Radio.